It's time for another hour of community-based programming. You're listening to 89.3 KEYK. The Lake of the Ozarks' only community radio station. That's right, you've got a hand in it, Lake of the Ozarks. 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, January 21st. Governor Parson has proposed a budget for the new fiscal year, and it's a $12 billion increase over last year, $47 billion in total. Some of Parson's proposals that could affect Lake of the Ozarks include $400 million toward expanding statewide broadband internet. He hopes to connect 75,000 households to high-speed internet for the first time. Parson also proposed spending $400 million on drinking water, stormwater, and wastewater systems, and $69 million to begin construction on the Rock Island Trail. That trail will go through Eldon and create a 144-mile hiking and biking loop, the largest of its kind in the nation. The state legislature gets the final say on the budget. It's a common experience for anyone who drives much on Lake Ozark. Bagnell Dam Bridge is just too narrow. But why not make the bridge wider? Lake Expo spoke with MoDOT engineer Bob Lynch and found some answers to the question. MoDOT says the sidewalk interferes with widening the roadway, but to get rid of the sidewalk would take major structural work. Lynch also said when the bridge reopens, it will have a weight limit that keeps most large trucks off, so that could help drivers feel a little less crowded as they cross the 90-year-old dam. It was a good year for deer hunters. Missouri's Department of Conservation, MDC, reported a total deer harvest for the season of nearly 300,000. That's about 10,000 more than last year. In the lake area, hunters harvested more than 11,000 deer. The 2022 deer season begins with archery on September 15th. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. We've got some hockey and some high school hoops on the way tonight. St. Louis Blues busy on the road in Seattle against the Kraken. The Blues in a tight race in that Central Division with Colorado and Minnesota and Nashville, so they need to keep on winning. A lot of high school hoops tonight. Osage with a tough battle against undefeated and number one ranked Eugene. So Osage 
which is having a pretty good season with a tough one on the road tonight. Versailles on the road as well with another tough game against California. The Pintos have been playing very good this year. And tomorrow, the Camdenton Lakers will host the Lakers Shootout. Now, Eldon is off tonight. They will host the annual Eldon Tournament next week. For college hoops, tomorrow, Mizzou busy on the road at Alabama. Mizzou comes off a big win against Ole Miss earlier in the week. MSU Bears busy tomorrow as well on the road against Loyola Chicago. Of course, everybody gearing up for the NFL playoffs. Going to be interesting. There's uh, four games in total. Your AFC matchups, of course, the Chiefs, they will play on Sunday night at home against the Bills. Now, the Bengals and the Titans will play in the other AFC game. They'll play that Saturday afternoon. In the NFC, 49ers at the Packers. They'll play that Saturday night. The Packers are the top seed in the NFC. And Sunday's NFC game has the Rams at the Buccaneers. Of course, the Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions. Now, the Chiefs go in 13-5. and They will be home. They are the higher seed against Buffalo on Sunday night. But remember, Buffalo beat the Chiefs during the regular season in Kansas City. 38-20, they played that game October the 10th. Patrick Mahomes had two touchdowns and two interceptions in that loss. So it should be a pretty interesting game. The Chiefs 8-2 and two at home this season. One of those two losses was to Buffalo. Aaron Rodgers beat out Tom Brady for the first-team All-Pro quarterback slot. Packers, Colts, Ravens, Rams, and Cowboys all had three All-Pros. The Chiefs had no first-teamers, believe it or not. Now, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV with five local lake area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Key Radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from Firefly Valley Farms, coffee roasters and beverage solutions. Firefly Valley Farms believes coffee is a big deal. It's their passion. They owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006. When you order coffee, they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy. Nothing compares to coffee this fresh. Firefly Valley Farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niagara River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com.
This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. Hey, good morning. It is 8.08 and uh, feeling like another beautiful day at the Lake of the Ozarks. If you're inside, if you're outside, uh, wherever you're at, maybe you took this uh, opportunity to go someplace warmer because you knew the cold weather was coming. So, you know what? It's whatever you want it to be today. One degree is where we sit, Bill Mudhausen. Yes. One degree. We're, we're hoping for zero. You always like to see the zero. You know what? Considering we're at one, yeah, why not? Yeah. We were at four, and then you mentioned... Uh, it went down. Went down to two, and now we're at one. And it's like a countdown. Uh-huh. The countdown to uh, wild winter weather here. At least we're not up to our ears in snow, so... There's a silver lining to every cloud. Yeah, when I lived in Brainerd, Minnesota, we used to say it's too cold to snow. Too cold to snow. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually true. It is. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Clear at 29 for today. We'll have a few clouds and 18 for the low tonight. Back up to 44 with some morning clouds and sunshine by the afternoon. A low tomorrow night of 31. 45 on Sunday with a low 31. And then it looks like 56 the high on Monday. Partly cloudy. Don't get too comfortable because... Tuesday, we're looking at a high of 29, a low of 12, 30 on Wednesday with sunshine and a low of 23. Then we'll kind of bounce around upper 30s, low to mid 40s, and uh, not too terribly bad as we get ready to wrap up the month of January. It's almost hard to believe we're saying that. Uh huh, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun, isn't that right? Right. I'm glad to be done with January. Because each and every day gets us one day closer to spring. I think we've got 58 days till the official kickoff of spring. Not bad. We're getting there. And, and, you know, as we get older, obviously, the time just speeds by. Yeah, it gets here faster. So we'll uh, we'll blink, and it'll be spring, and mm-hmm. uh, the shorts that I have on now will make sense to people in, <laughs> in, in spring. <laughs> yep. 810 is our time. We welcome you into the Daily Show. We're going to be talking here uh, momentarily with uh, Bev Aylett from Concerned Women for America of Missouri. We'll also be talking with Tim uh, Gallatin. He is with the Camdenton Shed for the Missouri Uh, Department of Transportation. Also, we'll be talking with Dave Maupin among the Dogwoods. We'll get Dave in here to uh, tell us what's been going on at Camden County Commission meetings. Uh, Also, some uh, some interesting stories from time to time. We'll see what kind of stories Dave has for us this morning. And you are more than welcome to come along for the ride and chime in at any point uh, between now and 10 o'clock at 573-633-5395. 9 or 5. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, we talked about the passing of Meatloaf. Meatloaf passing away at the age of 74. They're not quite sure of the cause of death yet. But that guy, uh, you know, he was a rock and roller. Mm-hmm. He yep. was. And he um, he uh, played hard. You know, he worked hard, but he played hard, too. He was actually kind of a theatrical guy, too. He was in, uh, yeah, I think he was in various kind. He was Rocky like Horror act- Picture Show? Yeah, partly an actor. Did you ever see that? No, I never did. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't think I did. That's an experience I'll have to tell you about uh-huh. off the air sometime. 8.11 is our time. Uh, we also would like to let you know that uh, I was at the Cameron County Museum yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, we were filming a, a segment for Lake TV and What's Burning with Bill Moeller. Had a great time. The Cameron County Museum. Well, you were an alderman in Lynn Creek. So I was, yes. You could probably you could go in and go over there anytime. You'd probably walk yep. from your house over there. Yeah, actually we did, and uh, we went to dinner theaters there, and I, I was in a couple of plays at the dinner theaters. So. Yeah, they've got a lot of that stuff. There was a, a, a crew, I, I guess they were getting ready to do that uh, 
And so they were, I guess, getting together to rehearse last night. But uh-huh. uh, Camden County Museum, what a great place, what a cool place. And I found out what the, where, where the phrase, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite, originated. But we'll talk about that later because <laughs> right now we would like to bring in Bev Allen and, uh, of course, uh, Concerned Women for America of Missouri. Bev, good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning. Real good. Well, we have a balmy three degree here in southern Warren County. So, <laughs> you and guys, we're north of you. I don't understand that, but we're in southern Warren County, so maybe that's what counts. You're having a heat wave, so uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, hopefully, it'll yeah. get up to uh, twenty nine or thirty degrees. Want to talk uh, this morning with you, and and we're gonna and we'll just let people know you are going to be a regular uh, participant on this program every other Friday. So we'll talk to you uh, now. And then probably the first Friday in January, I'm sorry, February. But uh, we want to talk a little bit about the organization and your seven core issues. And then we're going to get into some conversation about Senator Bill Eigel, uh, also some upcoming events. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll kick all of that now. But tell us about uh, Concerned Women of America, uh, uh, for America of Missouri, and your seven core issues. Well, we are the nation's largest women's public policy organization. We're a Christian organization. We um, uh, actually were founded in 1979 as an answer to the feminists who pretended to speak for the women of America. And our founder knew that most women in America, uh, we were experiencing some good things um, in um in those days as being women. However, uh, the feminist agenda was not part of where we wanted to go, and now it's come full circle, and it really is Marxist, and we're the ones standing up for um, women and women's sports and, and such, and trying to protect those Title IX um, um, measures that were put in place to help women um, have um, a better place in, in college sports and such. So anyway, we've kind of, kind of gone full circle, and we have a legislative team that is at the state capitol every week while they're in session, keeping an eye on legislation, um, lobbying for our our seven core issues, and um, you know testifying against those things that would be detrimental to the to the family and to the culture at whole. People do not. Many people, and I was one of them, do not understand how important a role public policy plays in our everyday life, in our family life, in our um, um, city life, in our schools and all that. So now they're starting to understand because we've seen the heavy hand of government, especially in the last year and a half, two years. And now people are starting to realize that um, government, whether it's local or state or federal, um, is a very important entity. It's interesting because, uh, as always, you know, we hear about bits and pieces of the legislative session, but it will be nice to uh, have the opportunity to refer back to you, Bev, and, and kind of keep people on top of what's going on in Jefferson City. Uh, is there anything that we uh, we can talk about here this morning? Well, of course, the big, uh, the big deal this week was that the House passed the congressional district maps and there's um, much um, to be desired by, by, it only passed in the House by 84. Mm-hmm. You need 82 um, to pass a bill, and there's 106 members, Republican members. So we were about 20 Republican members voted against the 6-2 map um, because, um, well, many of them, you know, support the 7-1 map because our we have a red state. You know, we send two-thirds of our General Assembly are 
um, Republican members, and so it's very well documented that we can support even a 7-1 map, which means we have seven um, congressional districts that would probably be um, represented by Republican. The people would vote for Republican in those districts, and then we have one um, district that um, would be um, a Democrat representative, and that would be in the St. Louis area. Um, However, we have right now we have six Republicans representing um, Missouri and two Democrats representing. And if we go to the 6-2 map, um, which would be status quo, if you will, um, we want to make sure that those two um, districts, well, that all the rest of the districts are strong because the, the map that the House passed out this week, um, District 2, which is now Republican, um, could very well go Democrat in the next um, 10 years because this is good for 10 years because the census is done every 10 years, and so we have to go through this redistricting every 10 years. So there will be a battle over in the Senate, and I'm very thankful that Senator Iger will be on your show next Friday. He'll be a wealth of information to give you the inside story of what's going on in the, in the Senate regarding the redistricting map mm-hmm. and some of the other tensions that's going on. And for people to know about his meeting on Thursday night, the 27th, because he does a presentation which really uh, makes it crystal clear why we're having um, so many problems getting good legislation out of our Republican majority in um, in our Missouri General Assembly. So, yes, there is a lot of concern, and, and, and uh, Bill Munhausen and I were just discussing the uh, the redistricting, and you, you made a rather interesting point about all of this. Well, the article I read today said that the redistricting as it stands now wouldn't take effect until three weeks after the primary which which means the primary doesn't won't really represent the district that the primary winner is going to represent. Do, do do you have any insight? I, I can't hear him real well, but I think he, yeah, I think he said that it doesn't go into, we did not get an emergency clause because there's not enough Republicans to even get an emergency clause um, in the um, House right now because we've had several resignations. So without an emergency clause, this would not go into effect until August 28th when all the legislation goes into effect. However, that's not um, that big of a concern, I don't think, because you can go ahead and file. You don't have to even live in the district in which you file for Congress. So you can pretty much, you'll see the map that's been approved. It doesn't go into effect until the 28th, but you can file for office and still go ahead and, and run. As far as I you know, I might be wrong on that, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm correct because um, that's been a little bit of a discussion amongst us anyway, and probably the same as far as the state um, rep and state senate maps as well, because they have a year to move into the district. So um, if if the um, filing filing is supposed to begin February 22nd and close down March 22nd. So it's going to be a very interesting time, but I, I don't think it's going to prohibit anybody from um, figuring out where they're going to um, um, be able to, to run for office. I think it's uh, obviously something that uh, concerns a lot of people, Bev, and it's something that uh, should concern people. Uh, just, uh, I was always under the impression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but I guess uh, enough people have made <laughs> enough noise that uh, they want something done about it, so uh, they're going to try and, and move everything all around. Uh, you mentioned the uh, senator, um, Senator Eigel, who's going to be joining us, as you mentioned, uh, next Friday. 
Uh, in the same time slot, we'll start uh, our conversation up with him at about uh, 10 after 8 on The Daily Show. But there are some uh, upcoming events that uh, we want to get out there to let folks know what's going on. Um, I, I will say again that uh, Senator Eigel will be in town next Thursday, the 27th. Uh, he is going to be at the Osage Beach City Hall, which is right there off of uh, the Osage Beach Parkway. Uh, the West End, as I like to call it. And the doors open at 6.30, and the presentation begins at 7. And uh, you can uh, RSVP at 573-873. It says 895, so they left off uh, part of the number there. I don't know what the... It's 873-895, and I guess a question mark. <laughs> well, we got nine chances. <laughs> there you go. That's one way to look at it. There you go. But let's talk about some of the other events that uh, are going on. The Pastor and Faith Leaders Symposium in Springfield. And uh, a very well-recognized uh, speaker will be among the, uh, uh, the group that uh, we know of, uh, Bill Federer, who's uh, talking about the origin of the critical race theory. And then you've got some other guests there as well. Tell us more about this. Oh, it's going to be a wonderful opportunity for um, especially faith leaders. Um, we're putting this on um, at no cost for pastors and leaders in churches to come and learn about critical race theory because they need to know. They need to know so they can um, help their members of their congregation understand it as well. And so Bill Federer will be there, and he's such a, a wealth of knowledge, and he'll be giving the history. Dr. Mary Byrne, who has been um, very gracious, she is an expert on critical race theory, and she's been doing many presentations around Missouri. Um, wherever she's asked to go, she, she goes to make a presentation on critical race theory and what it really is and what, how it's being implemented in the public schools, even though many of them will say, no, it's not. Um, it's it's creeping in in many different ways. And then Calvin Morrow, who's a wonderful Christian man, um, uh, he's a black man, um, he's the founder of Christians Uniting for Political Action, will um, give um, a rousing, um, encouraging talk to um, these pastors and faith leaders to be involved. You know, God did set up four governments. Civil government was one of them. And uh, we have um, been discouraged for many years to not be involved in civil government. And that's really a responsibility of, of everyone, and especially the Christian, because um, um, God's principles work, and if they're applied to public policy, they work for everyone, the believer and the non-believer. So we've been remiss, we've um, been fooled or, or whatever, and so now we're starting to take the responsibility that, that God gave um, good citizens, and especially Christian citizens, um, in public policy. So, um, yeah, that's, that's in Springfield, and it, like I said, it's no cost, and they they can register. They can go to our um, Concerned Women for America of Missouri Facebook um, page and go to events and, and get the information there and register, and it will be a, a great day. Now you can uh, register for the symposium, it says, in lunch by Wednesday the 26th uh, by texting or calling 417-425. 1167, uh, or by email at uh, backontrackamerica1 at gmail.com. So uh, you need to... Uh, so now what we're asking people to do is invite their pastor and leaders in their church, sure. uh, because um, an invitation from one, two or three or four even of their uh, members of their church will go a long way, and um, um, so we are very excited about what's going to happen on February 5th. They do have complimentary overnight lodging as well, available on a limited basis, and you can call Bev 
And yes, we realize that some some individuals coming from other parts of Missouri might find it hard to get there on that sure. morning. So um, we will, they would call me, and we will we'll make that happen. Dr. Frank, uh, Missouri tour on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of March, discussing election integrity. Um, and I think in this day and age, election integrity is very important. It seems like we're really kind of getting away from that, Bev. Yes, and we had a we well, the election committee in the House uh, met this this Wednesday, and uh, really all we dealt with that day was the um, initiative petition reform that they're wanting to to make. Um, but of course, the paper ballots and the um, photo ID, keeping voting to one day, um, the election day, and absentee voting in limited cases um, are are on the agenda to make sure our elections um, are as honorable as they can be. Um, but, Doctor, I, I would think many in your listening area uh, will know who Dr. Douglas Frank uh, is. He's the um, world-renowned, um, well, I don't even know, I should have looked up his, his um, bio, but he um, is a physicist, and he has looked at the elections across the country, including Missouri, and saw mathematical equations that are very unusual. So he's been in Missouri a few different times, and so we're going to bring him back February 3rd. He'll be in Lake St. Louis February 4th in the morning in Ellisville, so that's in the St. Louis area. And then he'll be down in Springfield on Friday night, um, that same March 4th. And then uh, probably in Kansas City on Saturday, where um, haven't got that nailed down just yet. Um, depending on when he has to go, we might squeeze in another um, presentation maybe in the Columbia area so that um, it's kind of central. So maybe that would be something that somebody in your area um, could run up to Columbia if we get that nailed down. So just watch our event page because we're going to be getting that posted in the next couple of days as soon as we get that last um, last one or two um, presentations um, nailed down with the venue in time. But it's a, he does a great presentation, and, and those who understand math will, will go right along with what he's presenting and and those of us who maybe don't understand but um, do understand simple things that make sense and don't make sense um, it really he um, speaks to even those of us who don't understand that well sometimes you, uh, sometimes you just happen? have to draw people a picture that's just how life is sometimes Beth uh, concerned women for yeah, America, we have the problems you know other states had problems and, and they were just blatantly disregarding their laws that they had on the books, and anybody can understand that. Here in Missouri, we um, didn't have blatant disregard of statutes, and when we get our statutes tightened even more, um, it'll be even that um, much harder to play around with um, any results that we have in Missouri. So we want to learn from what other states um, have um the mistakes that they have made, and we want to go forward and make ours even better and tighter. Right. We've got just a couple of minutes left there, and we want to make sure we touch on everything. Uh, the Concerned Women for America of Missouri State Convention, Part 2. It's a two-parter, and uh, it looks like you've got the Attorney General uh, Eric Schmidt on the uh, agenda for this one, but it uh, deals with a lot of different topics, and your special speaker is Mario Diaz. Yes, he's our, he's our legal counsel from National, and he'll be giving us an update on um, all things um, federal, I guess, and especially uh, mostly the Supreme Court cases that are there now that have been heard already, like Dobbs versus, um, oh gosh, 
forgot, <laughs> are, um, and the ones that they're taking up even now. So he will give us an update on how those hearings went and what he expects and, and what we can expect to be announced in, in the near future, mostly probably in June, even though the decisions are being made as they go. They don't announce many of them until they're ready to break for the year in June. So he's going to be that speaker on, on that luncheon on Saturday, April 9th, and that, again, is in Springfield at the um, uh, White Conference um, Center there right. by Bass Pro. Right. And then the night before, he's, he's, he's a pastor as well. He's, um, so he's an ordained pastor, ordained pastor and he'll be, um, we'll be having um, a complimentary dinner for pastors and spouses um, that evening so that he can speak heart-to-heart to these pastors and encourage them to to lead. Um, and and then, um, of course, we will be touching on the issues on that April 9th, um, you know, critical race. We'll be doing a um, session on that, um, transgenderism. We have Dr. Alan Branch coming in. We'll be um, touching on election integrity, of course, and then um, some ways that we can help in the local areas through our prayer action chapter and our um, Encourage a Legislator program. And then, of course, the Protecting Young Lions Online Act. So we have a lot of things going. And then, um, you know, again, an update. Maybe next time I'm on, we'll give you an update on what bills have made it through sure. the committee process already. Because some of them are you know, on fast track. And I think with the pressure last year of not getting the um, election bill over the finish line because of the meltdown in the Senate the last couple of weeks, um, will be hopefully that bill will be on fast track so we can get that done um, before too too long. It's it, it, I you know you see the same bills being filed every year and you just wonder sometimes why um, why we can't get more done. But um, but but sometimes it's good that we don't well, get more he, done. Well, here's here's the <laughs> answer, here's, here's the answer to that question, Bev. If you keep chipping away, eventually things are going to happen. They're going to either happen for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. And uh, when you mentioned bills that they kept submitting over and over and over, uh, PDMP was one of those. And then, see, now it finally it uh, got the governor's signature, and uh, hopefully that won't be detrimental for all of us. You will be joining us here again coming up on uh, Friday, February the 4th at 810. I want to thank you for uh, sharing all of this wonderful information with us, uh, all of the things that are coming up with Concerned Women uh, for America of Missouri. And uh, is it okay to give out your uh, number if people would like additional information? Oh yes, yes. The um, the phone number is three one four six zero eight zero one six eight, and our web page is um, mo.cwfa.org. Very good. Well, listen. I look forward to our uh, next conversation. We'll talk a little bit more about what's going on there on the state level and what's uh, happening in Jefferson City. In the meantime, uh, be safe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for your time, Bev. Stay warm. Uh-huh, thank you. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thank you for the opportunity to talk and hear from uh, Bev Allen. We want to thank, uh, well, we don't want to call her back. <laughs> uh, we don't want to call her back. No, Hello? Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. That's, okay. That's, that's our fault here on this end. I think we had uh, two or three different things going on. Anyway, that's that. It's 831. We've got information. We're going to talk MoDOT in the second half of the 8 o'clock hour. And don't forget, Dave Maupin joins us in the 9 o'clock hour to talk about what's been happening at the Camden County Commission meetings. It's all a part of what we're doing here on Key Radio. I'm Steve.
Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, January 21st. Governor Parson has proposed a budget for the new fiscal year, and it's a $12 billion increase over last year, $47 billion in total. Some of Parson's proposals that could affect Lake of the Ozarks include $400 million toward expanding statewide broadband internet. He hopes to connect 75,000 households to high-speed internet for the first time. Parson also proposed spending $400 million on drinking water, stormwater, and wastewater systems, and $69 million to begin construction on the Rock Island Trail. That trail will go through Eldon and create a 144-mile hiking and biking loop, the largest of its kind in the nation. The state legislature gets the final say on the budget. It's a common experience for anyone who drives much on Lake Ozark. Bagnell Dam Bridge is just too narrow. But why not make the bridge wider? Lake Expo spoke with MoDOT engineer Bob Lynch and found some answers to the question. MoDOT says the sidewalk interferes with widening the roadway, but to get rid of the sidewalk would take major structural work. Lynch also said when the bridge reopens, it will have a weight limit that keeps most large trucks off, so that could help drivers feel a little less crowded as they cross the 90-year-old dam. It was a good year for deer hunters. Missouri's Department of Conservation, MDC, reported a total deer harvest for the season of nearly 300,000. That's about 10,000 more than last year. In the lake area, hunters harvested more than 11,000 deer. The 2022 deer season begins with archery on September 15th. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. We've got some hockey and some high school hoops on the way tonight. St. Louis Blues busy on the road in Seattle against the Kraken. The Blues in a tight race in that Central Division with Colorado and Minnesota and Nashville, so they need to keep on winning. A lot of high school hoops tonight. Osage with a tough battle against undefeated and number one ranked Eugene. So Osage which is having a pretty good season with a tough one on the road tonight. Versailles on the road as well with another tough game against California. The Pintos have been playing very good this year. And tomorrow the Camdenton Lakers will host the Lakers shootout. Now Eldon is off tonight. They will host the annual Eldon tournament next week. For college hoops, tomorrow Mizzou busy on the road at Alabama. Mizzou comes off a big win against Old 
Miss earlier in the week. MSU Bears busy tomorrow as well on the road against Loyola Chicago. Of course, everybody gearing up for the NFL playoffs. Going to be interesting. There's uh, four games in total. Your AFC matchups, of course, the Chiefs, they will play on Sunday night at home against the Bills. Now, the Bengals and the Titans will play in the other AFC game. They'll play that Saturday afternoon. In the NFC, 49ers at the Packers. They'll play that Saturday night. The Packers are the top seed in the NFC. And Sunday's NFC game has the Rams at the Buccaneers. Of course, the Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions. Now, the Chiefs go in 13-5. and They will be home. They are the higher seed against Buffalo on Sunday night. But remember, Buffalo beat the Chiefs during the regular season in Kansas City. 38-20, they played that game October the 10th. Patrick Mahomes had two touchdowns and two interceptions in that loss. So it should be a pretty interesting game. The Chiefs 8-2 and two at home this season. One of those two losses was to Buffalo. Aaron Rodgers beat out Tom Brady for the first-team All-Pro quarterback slot. Packers, Colts, Ravens, Rams, and Cowboys all had three All-Pros. The Chiefs had no first-teamers, believe it or not. Now, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV with five local Lake Area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting the key with your monthly donation. Lake of the Ozarks Community Radio Station. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. It is 8.39. Welcome back to The Daily Show. We are glad to have you with us on this Friday morning, getting ready for another fun weekend. I mentioned the Camden County Museum earlier, and that is because uh, the Camden County Museum last weekend, they had their uh, uh, vintage vinyl and book sale, and uh, they're going to do it again today and tomorrow, just like last week, 9 until 2, free admission. You can stop by and take a look around had a great opportunity to go out to the uh, museum yesterday and shoot a piece for uh, Lake TV and the What's Burning segment. We've got a new uh, series that we've started up with Bill Mulder. It's called On the Trail. And uh, Bill and I are going to be traveling all over uh, Miller, Morgan, Camden, and Benton counties, finding uh, some unique things and talking about the history. And we're also going to try to get out of the area. I may have mentioned the fact that uh, we're going to go to the place uh, which 
was considered the start of the Santa Fe Trail here in uh, the state of Missouri and some other places close to Kansas City as well. So please, please take some time to join us over there on Lake TV for What's Burning. It is a show that runs seven days a week, a new show every Thursday. We do them uh, at 7 a.m., uh, 11, I'm, I'm sorry, 7 a.m., 5 p.m., and 11 p.m. It would be nice to know the times of my own show, right? That that only makes sense. 8.40 is our time. We uh, normally take some time on Fridays to uh, talk MoDA. And so we've got uh, Tim Gallatin in from the uh, Camdenton Shed. Also, uh, as Tim said, his right-hand man, Jeff uh, Caffey, is joining us here this morning as well. Glad to have both of you guys in here with us. Thank you for uh, taking the time. But before we start talking MoDOT, the last time I saw you, you were getting ready to go to the Chiefs game. It was the Chiefs-Raiders game, correct? That is correct. And uh, they stopped a mud hole in them there. Uh, and they didn't let up. No. I, th- I think uh, Andy Reid was trying to prove a point yeah. in that game. So you had a good time? I, I had a, If I could do it again tomorrow, I would. Right. Well, I tell you, uh, we would certainly like to have the opportunity – uh, to get to as many Chiefs games as we can, but uh, it seems like unfortunately we always end up, you know, having to you know pay for tickets or something like that. It's not like you just walk right in and sit right down, right? Not like you used to. <laughs> well, I will tell you this much: that uh, the big game, of course, is going to be this Sunday: uh, Bills, Chiefs at Arrowhead. Thank goodness, and then whoever wins that one, more than likely, is going to face uh, Tennessee. We hope that Cincinnati pulls it out. We really do, because I'd like to face them again. I think I think they could be beat. Yeah. Well, in, in, in Tennessee, I guess it's it has been uh, relatively uh, favorable, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, for them. But, you know, just kind of like the Chiefs that had that nice run, maybe Tennessee's luck will run out too. Well, Jeff and I were talking about it yesterday. <clears throat> and you talk about Henry, the running back for Tennessee. You know, everybody thought when he went out that, Tennessee was going to fall off. Right. And look where they're at now. Well, and that uh, was the same with Edwards uh, Allaire for the Chiefs. Correct. And, uh, boy, everybody – you know, I, I think that's one of the nice things about football when you're not the star player and then you're asked to step up and you step up in a way that is just amazing. And so it gives the fans a little bit of hope that, you know, you've got depth at that particular possession. And, and it, what was tough is when – the uh, the Chiefs lost two left tackles in one game. Yes. <laughs> one guy was out doing warm-ups, and then his replacement uh, got knocked out. But the uh, the offensive line, you know, you got to give them credit. Uh, they're a new bunch, and they certainly uh, have had to mix and match a little bit with COVID and some other things. But go Chiefs. Let's talk, uh, let's talk MoDOT. So last week, you guys uh, dodged a pretty big bullet here in and around uh, the lake area with uh, – uh, the failure of Snowpocalypse 2022 to materialize. And we're okay with that. <laughs> I thought you would be. I thought you would be. It's it's one of those deals where you, you sit and you try to plan um, with what's going on in, in the employees that you have of who's sick, who's not sick, with, mm-hmm. that, with everything that's going on. And then you try to put a plan together and make that plan work and – it worked out in our favor this time to where we didn't hardly used any material whatsoever. Um, I do know that there was a few slide offs due to some slick bridges. Sure. Um, and we try to remind those people that, you know, you have to drive with inside your means of what to expect and what to unexpect. Okay. So like the roadway, the roadway never really got affected. But when you look at it, 
and you have these bridges, you got to look at what's in a bridge. Mm-hmm. You've got concrete, you've got steel, and you've got a big wind tunnel right. that blows right underneath of sure. it. And those are the first things that are going to freeze. And and I hope that everybody um, kind of respects that in some aspect because those will be the ones that freeze first and those are the ones that will cause trouble. That's normally how it works. We always remind people, you know, even if the conditions are great, uh, at some point you might have to travel over a bridge or an overpass and uh, lots of slick spots there because that air gets up underneath it, freezes everything above it, and uh, then you've got uh, black ice or whatever else could possibly form, uh, and you get those slick spots. So that's one thing that I think is a great reminder for people. And, you know, you, both of you know how it, this works. The first snow, somebody just bought a four-wheel drive. So they say, oh, geez, I don't have to worry about anything. I got four-wheel drive. I can, I can, you know, drive up the side of a mountain, come down the other side, and hit a snow-packed highway, and everything will be great. And those are the folks that you see off in the ditch that are waiting for the tow truck to get there to pull them out. Right. That's, that's exactly <laughs> right. Um, you know, and they're, they're meant to go in four-wheel drive and, and to go in the snow. Right. But when you compare that to ice, that, I mean, nothing compares to ice, really. Nothing will stop on ice. Ice is going to take you the direction it wants to go, whether it be a, an elevated curve or whatever. That's the direction you will fall off on or whatever it may be. Right. Well, we know that uh, in dodging uh, Snowpocalypse 2022, the first go-around, uh, that kind of helped with uh, several different situations. Obviously, you didn't have to use as much product. Uh, you didn't have to have a whole lot of people out there. Uh, it's still on standby, I would imagine, there because you never know what's going to happen. But inevitably, that saves uh, saves uh, the, the taxpayers' money. It, it does. Uh, um, and, and it's not just the material itself. It's the overtime. It's, um, it's the fuel cost inside the trucks. It's the wear and tear, eventually, that wear items on the, the trucks, whether it be the, uh, the blades on the plows themselves or just the overall maintenance of, of that piece of equipment. And I really don't know. I mean, for maybe each individual shed, they've got their own numbers, but do you have any type of an estimation of how much money you would save in an instance like that or, or, or what you did save this go-around? Hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, or well, um, it, I, I can't give you a number because I don't know because each storm, right. each storm is different, right. to- totally different. Sure. Um, you know, um, they put bids out uh, midsummer for the salt that that we receive uh, toward the fall, and by the time it is bought and trucked and everything and brought to us, I mean, you're looking anywhere between. It depends on what county you're in and what supplier you get it from. It could vary anywhere from $70 a ton up to $95, $96 a ton by the time it's brought to us. And that is higher than asphalt. $96 a ton? Yes. I think I'm going to invest in some of that. Just get a big ton of salt right in the middle of the driveway. It's white gold. My wife will love it. You idiot! I can already hear it. Um, so let's talk about this gentleman that you brought in with you today, uh, Jeff Caffey. Yes, and I'll let him introduce himself yeah. and let him let him kind of talk about what he does. What do you think, Jeff? Um, you know, I've been in with Modot for uh, going on 15 years. Get in now. there a little closer. Um, I started out there in the uh, Springfield district, 
working with signing and striping. Mm-hmm. And uh, what brought me to Camdenton was actually my wife, uh, teaches and coaches here at Camdenton. Right so, on. go uh, Lakers! Yeah, go Lakers, Lady Lakers. Um, you know, we we kind of split the difference for the first two years, and then I got a job transfer down here, uh-huh. uh, and we've been here since 2014. Uh, oldest daughter, we have four four great kids. Uh, my oldest daughter Taylor just graduated from MSU. Uh, awesome. Our oldest son Chase is playing baseball in college, and then our two youngest ones, Chloe and Reese, are uh, go to school here at Camdenton. Uh, we're very active in the sports. Uh, Chloe, Sounds like it, yeah. Chloe, uh, you know, with with Stacy coaching basketball, and she does middle school volleyball and middle school track, so we're pretty busy with that. Chloe, uh, she's in sixth grade, right. does volleyball and basketball. Reese is in fourth grade, uh, does football, baseball, and basketball. Of course he does. Yeah, you've probably seen him on the sidelines on Friday nights right down on. there. Um, he's over there with uh, Coach Shore and those guys. Uh, every day, every day after school at practice. <laughs> he, uh, so we're we're very active in in the community. Uh, we love love being part of Laker Nation. So uh, how do you like living at the Lake of the Ozarks? Love it. Do you? We do. We we enjoy it quite well. Uh, you know we uh, hunt fish. We spend a lot of time out on the lake in the summertime. There you uh, go, man. Enjoying the enjoying uh, the lake. So what are some of the responsibilities that you have working here at the uh, Camptonton Shed for Modot? Um, you know, I'm kind of a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, you know. Uh, I try to make Tim's job a lot easier, do a lot of the things that, you know. You make I him take, look good? I make him look good. Does he take all the credit and then says? No, no, he's real good at passing, <laughs> passing the credit where it's due. Um, you know, in the wintertime with the snow, uh, Tim takes the day shift. I run the night shift. Uh, so not only am part of the with the night shift, my job is Camden, Miller, and Laclede counties. Right. Uh, as well as well so i'm constantly talking with all with our other buildings within our superintendent's area uh reporting back with our road reports and everything sure. so anything that goes on at the night with the nights during the snow uh it's a direct reflection of what i report to jeff city as far as what we're doing and and what the road conditions are like well it sounds like you you know your uh, job very well i mean because you've been involved with modot for a number of years now so Yes, sir, and I love it. You know, Modot's been a great, great career for me. And when uh, Tim's head hits the pillow at night, he can rest assured that he's not going to get any emergency phone calls or have to worry about anything because uh, you've got it covered. Very few times have I had to call him. Um, you know, uh, one that sticks out, I guess, was when we had the big rock slide down there. Right. Um, you know, I was called. You know, they called the highway patrol called me, and uh, you know, at first it was just a few rocks on the road. Um, course by the time i get there it's it's more than just a few rocks so you know i had, to, had to make a few phone calls in the middle of the night was the road actually covered i mean were there some was it was it just like little stuff or was it some big stuff or no it was uh, quite extensive there was rocks you know from one lane all the way over to the barrier wall down wow. there um you know and when i arrived you know there was a tow truck and a car on the other side of the pile in the road that i didn't even see until i got out and started assessing the situation holy mackerel so it was it was quite a quite a deal. So very few times do I do I bug him after hours on, at night. Well, and it's not like that stuff just happens between you know nine to five. It's it's something that happens whenever Mother Nature wants to make sure everybody's paying attention. You know, and it's excuse me. It's um, we knew when we hired on 
that it's seven days a week, 365, 24 hours a day. Sure. I mean, whether it be a stop sign that's knocked down, which is a priority one stop sign, or we have an accident that we have to, to assist the highway patrol in or even the city city police or whatever, you know, those things, those things arise outside uh, our core working hours, and that's what we have to do. When you guys are out there driving around, uh, and Bob and I have talked about this, uh, people have a tendency to want to just, I don't know, do stupid stuff around you. Or if they're not paying attention, I don't know how in the world anybody runs into a giant yellow truck, but it happens. Uh, what are folks like around here? Do they have a little bit more, uh, do they pay attention maybe a little bit more, or is it just uh, pretty much hit and miss wherever you go? I think it's more hit and miss wherever you go. Uh-huh. Um, I think it all depends on the area or the, the stretch of highway you're on, yeah. uh, on whether or not they really want to pay attention to us, whether we're working in the lane or on the shoulder. Um, so it I know that, you know, we have warning lights and everything on our trucks, um, but Jeff has a truck that uh, has actually got some red lights in the back of mm-hmm. it, and you would not believe the difference that a color makes <laughs> that stands out. Right. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, you can put up signs, you can put, you know, trucks behind all of the work that's going as it moves along. Maybe it's striping or something like that. And then there's always that one person right as, as, as the paint, it's not quite dry yet, and you guys are already past, but then somebody goes through there and gets that, that right. drives me nuts, but there's nothing you can do about it. Anyway, uh, but, it, you know, we, we talk about it all the time in the sense that uh, uh, people just need to be patient. I, I think when it is coming down in terms of snow, uh, very heavy, the best place to be would be behind, well behind a plow. I mean, that only makes sense to me. I mean, ra- rather than try to pass the plow and and then the plow passes you because you're, you know, had to had to slide off or whatever. It would just make all the sense in the world. Well, and, and it it really does. You know, you're going to have those people that have, I've got to get around this person because the the salt's coming out of the back of the truck and it's hitting the front of my grill, or I don't like the sound it's making, or it's hitting my windshield and I'm afraid it's going to bust my windshield. Then you're putting that on yourself as a driver to go around that big truck. And if you've driven one, you, you will understand when you're, when you're plowing the snow off the road, there's still a wind tunnel that comes off the driver's side and it sprays that mist out. And where does that put that? Mm-hmm. It puts that in that car that's trying to pass that truck. And the next thing you realize that you've got to turn your wipers on because now you can't see. So you, there's a, there's kind of like a blind spot in there if that's happening and then either the driver gets nervous and either backs off or they hit the gas pedal and try to pass. Mm-hmm. And I've seen into where instances where they try to do that and they hit the accelerator and then they start their tires start spinning and then they lose control of their vehicle and either end up in the ditch or they might swipe, swipe the side of the truck. Well, we would encourage people during uh, inclement weather to let the uh, the folks because you know people are always complaining. Oh, they never plow my road. They never. Well, they're out. Yeah, they're out there. And and there's ways to follow where they're at because you guys have got the GPS. And Bob had said that if you uh, somebody calls and says, "Well, they haven't plowed my road," well, they can look and see exactly where the plows have gone, and uh, tell that person, "Well, yeah, your your road's been plowed. It's just you know, you guys are dealing with uh, the same things everybody else." Uh, 
seems to be dealing with right now. You've got a shortage of employees. You've got COVID. You said uh, here recently, Tim, you had as many as seven people out. That is correct. Uh, this week alone, uh, it started last week, and then it just filtered to this week. Right. So we've been working on a very limited crew this week. And that really, you know, like everything else, that uh, it, it's just like a supply shortage. If you don't have the workers, you can't get the work done. So then things take, obviously, much longer. Do you have any uh, idea, do you ever get any uh, reports from the bridge work that's going on on Bagnell Dam right now? I don't know if you can give us any kind of an update there. The only thing that I know is is what Bob says. Sure. And and I, I kind of leave that alone. That's, right. That's Bob's baby. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. I mean, you know, we know that it's been kind of a difficult uh, uh, process and that uh, everybody over there that's working on that, and uh, in particular Jacob, who's the project manager over there, uh, they've run into a few snags, some things that they thought were going to be a little easier, kind of slowed them down a little bit, but uh, they're trying to get it done as quick as they can. We'll have some nice weather maybe uh, starting next week on Monday. We'll have, be in the upper, close to the upper 50s, and so maybe that'll help them with the bridge pour. But something that I didn't know about that I got schooled on was the fact that it's not only the temperature, but the wind conditions play a big role when you're laying concrete as well. Huge. Yeah. Yes, because you... It depends on what type of concrete you're pouring. Um, you don't want that fast cure. Um, I've seen it in the past where they put blankets over the concrete and then put water on top of mm -hmm. it to make it cure more slowly. If you get that rapid cure in concrete, then you have the uh, the end result of it may crack or it may bust or it um, may not do what you want it to do. Right. It loses a lot of its strength. Right, yeah. Well, we want it... Uh, to uh, to go through the proper process so that you don't have to go back and spend more money because you have to redo it or something like that. We've got uh, a couple of minutes left here. What uh, What's going to be going on here in and around uh, Camdenton and in Camden County that uh, you guys are going to be involved with? Well, we will, um, we've got a couple of projects, you know, that are coming up in the future with some overlays and stuff like that. So right now we're going to be trying to replace culvert pipes that won't last through the next 10 years. Right. Uh, so you're going to see us out doing a lot of culvert pipe replacement. Uh, you know, this time of the year we still try to cut a lot of brush and do some brush removal. So as time, you know, allows and weather allows, we'll be out, you know, cutting brush and clearing brush. As far as the culvert pipe replacement, is there any specific areas that you're going to be focusing on? Uh, Route Z off of North 7 okay. uh, is going to be our main focus. And then uh, I think we have uh, NN up in the Climax Springs area right. uh, that will be our main focus uh, for this, you know, this spring and summer to uh, get prepared for an overlay. And uh, I know it's uh, you call the 1-800 number, or one, is it one eight eight? Yeah. Ask Mo Ask Mo dot. That's mm -hmm. right. Uh, time for pothole patrol, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's 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 that season where it, it it freezes and unthaws, and that's that's how the potholes become. Um, and it's Jeff and and Mai's duty to get out and at least run the whole area. Try to once a week uh, to jot those down and then kind of put a plan together of when we're going to do it. And to kind of put that in perspective, and this all kind of revolves back to the snow. Right. You were talking, KB, about people, you know, not, we haven't plowed their road. Mm -hmm. We take care of the entire Camden County, any state road, which equals out to be almost 600 lane miles. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a lot for us to cover in a short amount of time. Uh, so, you know, when those people are, are asking about, you know, not plowing their road, keep in mind that some of these trucks are, 
you know, running 50, 50 miles, 75 miles that they're, they're covering. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not, uh, you know, like in the city, you know, where you're constantly seeing a truck or something. So we, we do have a big area. 600 plus miles. Yeah. That's not something you can get done in a day. Right. And you don't just throw like uh, some fill and a shovel in the back of the truck. And every time you see a pothole, you jump out and, <laughs> and try and take care of it. Well, gentlemen, always a pleasure. Uh, Tim Gallatin, and uh, great to meet uh, Jeff Caffey as well. And I guess we'll see you guys back here next uh, next Friday. Yes, we are scheduled for next Friday. Next Friday at uh, just about 840. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. All right. We're going to take uh, a break here at the top of the hour. Information from Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com. And some sports. Chris Schneider with Lake TV on the key. The Lake of the Ozarks' only community radio station. That's right. You've got a hand in it, Lake of the Ozarks. 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, January 21st. Governor Parson has proposed a budget for the new fiscal year, and it's a $12 billion increase over last year, $47 billion in total. Some of Parson's proposals that could affect Lake of the Ozarks include $400 million toward expanding statewide broadband internet. He hopes to connect 75,000 households to high-speed internet for the first time. Parson also proposed spending $400 million on drinking water, stormwater, and wastewater systems, and $69 million to begin construction on the Rock Island Trail. That trail will go through Eldon and create a 144-mile hiking and biking loop, the largest of its kind in the nation. The state legislature gets the final say on the budget. It's a common experience for anyone who drives much on Lake Ozark. Bagnell Dam Bridge is just too narrow. But why not make the bridge wider? Lake Expo spoke with MoDOT engineer Bob Lynch and found some answers to the question. MoDOT says the sidewalk interferes with widening the roadway, but to get rid of the sidewalk would take major structural work. Lynch also said when the bridge reopens, it will have a weight limit that keeps most large trucks off, so that could help drivers feel a little less crowded as they cross the 90-year-old dam. It was a good year for deer hunters. Missouri's Department of Conservation, MDC, reported a total deer harvest for the season of nearly 300,000. That's about 10,000 more than last year. In the lake area, hunters harvested more than 11,000 deer. The 2022 deer season begins with archery on September 15th. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source.
I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. We've got some hockey and some high school hoops on the way tonight. St. Louis Blues busy on the road in Seattle against the Kraken. The Blues in a tight race in that Central Division with Colorado and Minnesota and Nashville, so they need to keep on winning. A lot of high school hoops tonight. Osage with a tough battle against undefeated and number one ranked Eugene. So Osage, which is having a pretty good season with a tough one on the road tonight. Versailles on the road as well with another tough game against California. The Pintos have been playing very good this year. And tomorrow, the Camdenton Lakers will host the Lakers shootout. Now, Eldon is off tonight. They will host the annual Eldon tournament next week. For college hoops, tomorrow, Mizzou busy on the road at Alabama. Mizzou comes off a big win against Ole Miss earlier in the week. MSU Bears busy tomorrow as well on the road against Loyola Chicago. Of course, everybody gearing up for the NFL playoffs. Going to be interesting. There's uh, four games in total. Your AFC matchups, of course, the Chiefs, they will play on Sunday night at home against the Bills. Now, the Bengals and the Titans will play in the other AFC game. They'll play that Saturday afternoon. In the NFC, 49ers at the Packers. They'll play that Saturday night. The Packers are the top seed in the NFC. And Sunday's NFC game has the Rams at the Buccaneers. Of course, the Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions. Now, the Chiefs go in 13-5. and They will be home. They are the higher seed against Buffalo on Sunday night. But remember, Buffalo beat the Chiefs during the regular season in Kansas City. 38-20, to they played that game October the 10th. Patrick Mahomes had two touchdowns and two interceptions in that loss. So it should be a pretty interesting game. The Chiefs 8-2 and two at home this season. One of those two losses was to Buffalo. Aaron Rodgers beat out Tom Brady for the first-team All-Pro quarterback slot. Packers, Colts, Ravens, Rams, and Cowboys all had three All-Pros. The Chiefs had no first-teamers, believe it or not. Now, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV with five local lake area shows shows lake tv can be seen on como channel 90 free on roku and fire stick and streaming live 24 7 at mylaketv.com i'm chris schneider with your key radio lake tv sports update for this friday key radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from firefly valley farms coffee roasters and beverage solutions firefly valley farms believes coffee is a big deal it's their passion they owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006 when you order coffee they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy nothing compares to coffee this fresh firefly valley farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niagara River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com.
This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. 908 on Key Radio here uh, as we have The Daily Show rocking through uh, this Friday portion of your day. Uh, This uh, Friday morning here we do this thing from 8 until 10 every Monday through Friday. Rebroadcast it for you at uh, 4 o'clock then again at midnight and you'll hear it uh, probably a couple of times during the weekend as well. So make sure you check it out. Tune in. Uh, does anybody want to talk about the weather? I think uh, there's one word that everybody can agree on, and that's uh, the word cold. Yes, and we've discussed the fact that it is cold because it is January. And in January, we're not expected to get into the 70s or 80s. Sometimes, uh, obviously, it can happen. Certainly not out of the uh, realm of possibilities. But that's not going to happen uh, this January. 29 degrees for the high today. A low tonight of around 18. Plenty of sunshine today. A few clouds tonight. We'll uh, get a little warmer tomorrow, high of 44, low 31, with some morning clouds and sunshine by the afternoon. Sunny and 45 Sunday with a low of 31. Go Chiefs as they take on the Buffalo Bills. 56 degrees, the high on Monday, and a low of 21. But as I said earlier, don't get too comfortable with 56 degrees because on Tuesday the 25th, how about 29 for the high and a low of 12 above, 30 the high on Wednesday, 45 with a few clouds on Thursday, then partly cloudy and 38 on Friday of next week. We are uh, still sitting around the single digits here. At last check, we were at one degree. Bill was hoping for zero. Uh, right now, it's nine degrees in Camdenton, so we didn't quite... Uh, kind of hopeless, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. We, we've abandoned all hope on uh-huh. reaching zero, which I guess some folks uh, would probably uh, not necessarily appreciate zero, and they're looking... Uh, Looking forward to nine and maybe getting into the double digits before yeah, it's all said. I think that was done. our last hope for zero for the month. Is, is that what we're shooting for? We're shooting yeah, for we zero. Want zero. Shooting for zero. Well, wow. with a wind chill, you probably had zero, and maybe even like uh, yeah. I think some places around the lake were reporting a negative one with the wind chill. So I want to I want to know what the tipping point is for KB when we go from shorts to jeans. There is no tipping point. <laughs> it does not exist. It absolutely does not exist. That's so funny. That's I showed up. That's crazy. I, I was I was emceeing an event. It's been several years ago, and uh, they were actually placing bets on whether or not I'd show up in shorts. And it was it was a nice event, so I appeased them. I wore a shirt and a tie and shorts. Yeah, you had dress shorts. Uh, what you see is what you get, pretty much, Dave. <laughs> What you see is what you get. Yeah, my dog's a husky, so I have to walk her. We were talking about the advantages of cats versus dogs. Right. You know, the cat right. can just go to the litter box. The dog looks at me, shaking her tail, desperate to go outside. And then so she loves it in this weather. Yeah. And while I'm out there, like, come on, hurry up. Like, she's just uh-huh. walking around. Let's do what you got to do and get back yeah, in the let's, house. Let's get going yeah, the, the husky is kind of built for it, right? Yeah, exactly. they, they want that. Saturday mornings, Saturday and Sunday mornings, um, when we had Shiloh, he would uh, sit at my door. I would open the door. He would follow me all over the house. I mean, literally. And I would reach for the leash uh, and put it on the the collar. And, you know, we'd be out the door. And he'd be, within about 30 seconds, he was wrapped around something. Whether it was a tree or a car (laughs) or me. (laughs) Yeah, she's a terrible walker, too. Yeah, she's not good at it. They just get so excited until they kind of get rid of that excitement, that early early excitement of being outside going for a walk. they, They just... Yeah, mine's a husky mix, so she also has that thing where she wants something and they'll talk, where she'll be like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Wow. There you go. Like, all right, let's go. Get, and I'm in shorts at home usually, so then i got to go put the jeans on, go get dressed, go take her out. So. 
get some. You need to have some sweats. Just keep them over a chair in the kitchen. <laughs> that way you can jump in them and and save time. Uh, just real quick, lake level at six fifty eight point six two five sixty one point seven two. The current lake level, our river level. I'm sorry, and uh, we are at nine degrees with a clear sky. So, uh, kind of a uh, a short week for you, Dave. Yeah, I think. I think, you know, the community's been kind of hit by, like, a flu. I think it's been a bad flu season. Right. And then you've also had the uh, the new COVID variant. So, like, I think a lot of people have been sick. So uh, we didn't really have much for meetings. We just did have a meeting yesterday. I could talk about that a little bit. Not much happened there. The big thing this week was the uh, Camden County Republican Club meeting. Right, on the 18th. On the 18th. So there were, there were probably about 50 people there. I mean, it was, it was a decent crowd, 50, 60 people. It was interesting because when Les got up there, he started having, like, everyone who was an official introduce themselves, like an elected official. And by the time he was done, it, was, it almost seemed like there might have been more elected officials there or people running for office than mm. actual voters that mm. were just sitting in there. We had uh, Ryan Bridges, who's running for judge against Heather Miller, was there. Um, Heather Miller was there. I didn't notice her come in, but she was sitting there. During the, I'd never actually seen her before, mm-hmm. so I didn't know what she looked like. So that's, that's who, somebody said that was her. Lisa Thomas was there. Uh, Lydia Porter, who's running for presiding commissioner. Ike Skelton, who's running for presiding commissioner. And uh, James Gohagen was there, who is a commissioner. I'm trying to think who else. Matt Burns, running for school district. He was there. So it was a pretty, pretty good crowd, but it was just funny that so many... I guess if you want to meet mm-hmm. people who are running mm-hmm. for office yeah. or you want to meet... Some of your elected officials, CCRC meetings are a great place to go to because mm-hmm. they're all there. Well, you uh, you know, you, you want to take every opportunity possible to get out and uh, shake and howdy with people. And uh, the election uh, for school board will be coming up in April. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, fast approaching. I mean, like sometimes people will, will say, uh, like, I'm a political activist or I don't think any of us are political activists. I think you should just be politically active. You, like when people try to say, like with me, with my blog, that I'm an activist, I'm not. I'm just, I think anyone, frankly, incumbents and people who are happy with the way the government's currently running, they don't want you to be politically active. They want you to just stay at home, not show up at these meetings, and then just vote for whoever's in office because you're not aware or informed about who the different candidates are. Some of these candidates, when you meet them, you might say, I'm not going to vote for that guy or this gal. But then other ones, when you meet them, you might be really impressed with them and decide that that's who you want to vote for. And mm-hmm. it's an opportunity. You can just go right up and talk to them. Right. So, I think what's interesting is uh, so many people, uh, in terms of how they decide who to vote for, uh, a sound bite, uh, a video clip, a, a 30 or 60 second ad, which... Uh, in most cases, they don't even talk about themselves and what they've done. All they want to do is bash their opponent. Right. You know. I, I usually, if I don't know him, I just say, "Well, that guy sounds Irish." <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. Do I sound Irish? <laughs> well, that's why I think I voted for Gohagen as my commissioner when I first moved down there. I didn't he know. He sounds him. Irish. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, there was a good crowd. They had two uh, people that are running for office uh, mm-hmm. who had come down. Uh, Sarah Walsh was there. And uh, also Scott Fitzpatrick, who's the uh, treasurer for Missouri. Um, so Sarah Walsh was interesting. She's been a state rep, I believe, for six years. Uh-huh. And she's running for the fourth uh, congressional district, the U.S. congressional district. And I think she worked for Vicki Hartzler previously. Right. And now basically that Vicki is, is making a, a Hail Mary attempt to get that U- U- Missouri U.S. Senate spot. Um, I think Sarah is going to try to maybe take advantage of this and try to... to Get her take her spot from behind her. And yeah, we've talked to a number uh, of the candidates. Sarah Walsh, I guess, who was here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Rick Bratton, who was also here. Right. And uh, it seems like it's uh, 
a, a relatively good bunch of people. Sarah, uh, who had come out uh, last year and said that she wants to repeal the gas tax. I don't know how much uh, success she'll have with that. That's right. you know kind of something that uh, a lot of people were upset about. So I don't, I really don't know. You know, to be able to repeal something like that, that uh, is going to take a lot of work. Yeah, it's kind of like Vicki Hartzler voting for a balanced budget amendment in the in Congress. I mean, it didn't have a chance. Right. <laughs> I'll do it because it looks good. It looks good. Yeah, I saw Rick Bratton's picture. I think it's a sign that you're getting old when all these candidates look like they're they're so young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, brother. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is a guy just graduated from high school. Like, who is this guy? I want to I want to get on their Christmas card list. Did you see the Christmas card? No, uh, I heard about it. Yeah, the, yeah. the whole family's in the Christmas card, and, and, and every one of them's got a gun. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. He's got a family that big. That guy doesn't look like he's more than thirty years old to me. He's got five <laughs> kids, I think. Yeah. Lord. Yeah. And uh, and then his wife, I guess, is kind of like uh, she's his quasi campaign manager. Wow, that's a lot to handle. Yeah, because mm-hmm. so. that's who I talk to in order to to get the interview here. Let's take a moment and uh, <clears throat> jump in with a phone call. See if it pops up on my screen here. If it's going to do it and do it right this time, there it is. Look at that. Thank goodness, in technology. Yeah. What a wonderful thing. Caller, good morning. You're on Key Radio. What's up? What's up, KB? How's it going, my man? Doing very, very well this morning. Good to hear from you. Yeah, so I, my uh, my cell phone signal dropped out the other day, so I wasn't able to get back with you. So I'm sorry about that. Well, we're glad you called. Uh, took the time to call us back this morning. What's on your mind? So, with regard to Scott Fitzpatrick, the state treasurer, he uh, divulged some very interesting information, which I already knew, but I think a lot of people probably didn't know which is these schools that were uh, doing the masking and the quarantining of healthy children and students and so on. There has been a ruling, a court ruling, that says you can't do that, you know. Um, A judge has made that ruling, and the schools who are violating that, uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick will not sign off on their paperwork if they want to refinance their bonds which is a pretty big deal because you've got a lot of money at stake. And that's the kind of thing that our Republican leadership should be doing uh, to ensure that we don't have these really lawless um, school boards or or any other uh, local form of government. And so the reason I bring that up is the Camden R3 school board previously, before this uh, new school board took over, had masking in place, had quarantining in place, and had those things not been reversed, we would likely be A, be currently sued by the Missouri Attorney General, and B, our bond that we just refinanced, we would not have been able to do. So the previous school board, the point I'm trying to make is the previous school board went way off the rails and could have really caused a lot of serious harm to our district had the damage not been undone. And people need to keep that in mind. Well, I think that's a a very good observation, and that uh, is probably something that more or less, uh, you know, they've got the candidate forum for uh, a school board coming up in uh, in March, just prior to the election. Uh, Those are probably some of the things that people should be asking about. Where do... Uh, where does the board sit at this particular point, and is that something that we're going to have to worry about in the future? Because I did see where some of these school districts <clears throat> are firing up the opportunity 
to go down the mask mandate road again. Uh, I know in particular there was one uh, that they mentioned uh, in Arkansas, and we'll see how yeah. the how the parents are. But what's really interesting is the money they're going to be pumping into uh, uh, in, into trying to get kids vaccinated in schools, and they're going to be uh, throwing I don't know exactly the dollar amount, but it's a lot. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, can I talk about that? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so I want to make another point. So what the state statute says and what the Missouri Constitution says is that if a parent objects in writing to uh, a vaccine on a religious, uh, you know, conscience uh, reason, then uh, their student will be exempted from that vaccine. That's what the state law says. There doesn't have to be any special form uh, or any of that. Now, most of your school boards get their policies from the Missouri School Board Association. And what they generally say is you've got to go to the health department and get this special form, and you've got to go have a counseling session with them and all of that. That is not required in state statute. So these school boards need to amend their policy, in my view, to more closely fall in line with A, the Missouri Constitution, and B, state statute. And it would be nice if parents who are concerned about this would push for these things to be done. There is a way, it may not be a perfect way, but there is at least a way to uh, navigate through this, I guess you might say, using the existing law that is out there. we just got to make sure that school boards are following it. And with regard to that candidate form, now, I'm not aware of that. Nobody's told me anything about that, so I don't, I don't know what you know about it, but this is the first time here, uh, you know, hearing of it. Well, I'm in the media, and I'm, I'm privy to uh, certain things that the, uh, the, the average person uh, doesn't have knowledge of. I'm, I'm just kidding you. I got gotcha. you. No, I'm just kidding. That's not how it works. Uh, but We're the last to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's something dire, I'll, I'll make sure and call as many people as I can before <laughs> – before the clock gotcha. runs out, uh, it's going to be in March. It's going to be hosted by, I believe, the uh, uh, Camdenton Chamber of Commerce. They normally host uh, the forums, uh, and they're going to be hosting one uh, in March for the school board candidates, and uh, then one in July for the presiding commissioner candidates. So uh, th- those are the two that I know of because uh, I called somebody yesterday thinking that I was coming up with this world, you know, the the best idea in the world, and I found out that. I was about uh, maybe a one hundredth uh, or two hundredth in line with that idea, but hey, I appreciate you checking in with us this morning, and uh, thank you for listening, sir. Take care. All right, thank you, mystery caller. Mystery caller. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, so Sarah Walsh was there, and uh, she basically, like I said, she's running for Congress. She she tells us she basically tells a story about her childhood. You know, she grew up very poor. And she kind of had to really, you know, life was a struggle coming out of poverty. She lived out in Climax Springs, and she kind of overcame a lot. And you know, here she is. She's basically pulled herself by her own up by her own bootstraps, and now she's successful and running. And so she, it was a really good story. Now she um, has a very fast way of talking, so where she can probably give you about thirty minutes of information in about twenty minutes. So she's very fast speaking and. But there's something kind of endure, endearing about the way she talks. I mean, she's a very earnest person, and she obviously feels strongly about what she's talking about. Um, part of what she was saying is it sounded like she was apologizing for her voting record. 
in in the Jeff City, where she'd voted for SB 51, um, and I believe she'd also supported the 6-2 redistricting for the, for mm. uh, for Congress instead of the 7-1 redistricting. So some of what she was saying, she kind of said something along the lines of, you know, when you're voting for something, sometimes it seems like a good idea, and you don't really necessarily know all the information. And then later on, you realize, oh, maybe that you know could have been a mistake. So, I mean. I'm sure you guys have had a lot of discussion about the whole redistricting thing for the U.S. Congress. Sure. Uh, my personal opinion is uh, if we could have done it 7-1, we should have. And because, you know, if the Democrats were in charge, they definitely would have made sure they took as much advantage of the fact that oh, they absolutely. had a supermajority. So the fact that we're still uh, playing patsy with them when we have a supermajority is ridiculous. I mean, basically, we just lost a Republican representative probably by, by doing a 6-2 instead of a 7-1. You know, and the whole redistricting and how you try to organize that, mm -hmm. and, you know, by spreading. Out. I mean, look at Illinois. I mean, Illinois didn't pull any punches when they were redistricting to make sure they had as many Democrat, Democratic congressmen as possible. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we, we listened to Bev Ellen talk about this a little bit. And um, what she said is we're two-thirds Republican in the state. But a 6-2 is three-quarters Republican. Right. Yeah. So seven one is kind of like over the top Republican. Well, well, I I kind of think they shouldn't even care about the voting. They should look at contiguous districts. The the problem when you go the problem that's true when you go to seven one is you're spreading you're putting more Democrats voters in in one or two districts. So you can actually make districts where you used to be a slam dunk to get a Republican congressman. Mm. Now it could actually be a race. And so you you do run a risk if you try to. You know, because basically they're trying to plan to put, have a 55-45 advantage or like a 60-40 advantage in different districts. And yeah. what you're really talking is it's, about. It's called gerrymandering, yeah, right? Of course. All of it is. But it's, it's, and it's we're talking crazy. about Kansas City and St. Louis, right? Try to, try to divide up the Democrat voters in those areas where there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot more Democrat voters. Right. And then match them up with Republicans where the Republicans have a slim margin and you're hoping that you're going to get more Republican congressmen as a, congresspeople as a result. Right. Well, that could backfire on you. I just thought it was interesting that she was basically, some of this stuff, it sounded like she was almost apologizing for the way she would voted on things. Um, yeah, and she's uh, astute. Right. She should be apologizing. <laughs> well, see, that's, <laughs> that's, what a, that's what a politician needs to learn how to do. Rather than, you know, I, I, okay, fine, I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I'm going to own up to the mistake, and I promise it will never happen again. And uh, uh, psychologically, people buy into that theory. I mean... Yeah, and she told she told a Trump story. She had a story of meeting Trump and getting a picture taken with Trump, similar to Eric Schmidt's story about meeting Trump. Yeah. Um, my question, for which uh, she seemed very nice, so I didn't really yeah. want to like ask any questions. Or, but my question is kind of looking at her because it's clear she's been in politics for a while and right. kind of moved up. Is what are you going to do if you don't get elected? Like it seems like the last six to eight years of her career have been at least have been based on politics because mm -hmm. she worked for Vicki Hartzler before. Mm -hmm. And so like it's what we've talked about before where you, you get these career politicians now who can slip and slide on voting because their most important thing is getting reelected because that's become their primary source of income and their job mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody who has is an attorney or has a farm or something where they were just a member of the community that stepped up to get elected and they can say, well, this is what I believe in. If you don't like it, don't elect me because I'll just go back like George Washington. I'll go back to my farm and I'll just... That, and that's and I'll, I'll be happy. Yeah, that's what I'll do. <laughs> yeah. But now you get people... I'm always kind of on the lookout for politicians who start to seem like they've been... Most of their career now is just 
getting elected. Yeah, I've heard her testimony, and she sounds like a survivor. I think she'll do fine if she's not elected. So yeah. I'm, I'm not worried in that regard. I think she's a she's an overcomer type. Yeah, she'll land on her feet, is what you're saying. Yeah, she will. Uh, oh yeah. no, I agree. But I mean, like you know, I, I just don't like it when someone's been in politi- politics. The mm-hmm. chief of staff jobs. I worked for this person, and it's kind of very Vicky Hartzler based, where she worked for Vicky Hartzler, and now she's taking Vicky. You know, it's kind of like I don't like these ideas that you, someone is handing the position down. I'm leaving now. Maybe you can take over for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's what they call uh, was that uh, SSDD. <laughs> but, I, but she was very nice, very nice person. Uh, big contrast to Scott Scott Fitzpatrick, who I actually thought uh, I. I, you know, I thought he was very good at speaking in front of the crowd. Um, initially, when he got up, he's wearing like a kind of a vest and jeans. And he just got up there and he was like, it was like a regular guy just talking to everybody. And uh, his story's interesting. He basically started his own dock pair business when he was 17. He comes from down by Table Rock. And so uh, even when he went, to, you know, he kind of just bid on some projects and got them. And so he was having like $100,000, $200,000 projects as a 17 or 18-year-old. And so when he went to Mizzou... He kept his business going, so he would kind of commute back and forth uh, between Mizzou and running his business down at the lake. And, you know, he basically turned into this big, successful business that's making tens of millions of dollars in gross revenue. And uh, he got into politics because he was, like, uh, starting to get upset about He felt like the government was always trying to get in his way when he was trying to make money or be successful. So he decided to run for, you know, as a state rep. And then he got appointed as treasurer. Mm -hmm. And so as treasurer, he actually gave a lot of examples of things that he's done as the treasurer to kind of push back on some of the stuff that's been going on. Uh, For example, um, he's talking about auditing schools. You know, he's like there's, you know, the schools are supposed to be, uh, school districts are supposed to be audited every every once in a while. And I guess they've only audited like 12 or schools or in in the entire time since they were given that authority. So he's like, we should maybe be doing more of that coming down. Sounds like you really have to screw up to get an audit. Yeah, right. (laughs) Hey, listen, we're going to jump in real quick here. Bottom of the hour information break, and uh, we'll have more with Dave Maupin, uh, the author of Among the Dogwoods, who uh, digs uh, digs deep and uh, makes sure that he stays on top of what's happening with these Camden County Commission meetings. Didn't have to worry much about that uh, this week, so you got a bit of a breather, and that's good. I just miss seeing you in your L.A. Dodgers hat, your camouflage L.A. Dodgers I, I, hat. I know. I, I just I didn't wear it once. <laughs> you know, I'm, today I'm wearing the cap, uh, the the the, uh, the the hat or whatever you want to call it, uh, to uh, signify that the Chiefs are playing obviously this weekend and go Chiefs, but. Let's move ahead. Information from Stacy Johnson from LakeExpo.com, your trusted news source. And Chris Schneider joins us from Lake TV with a check of sports on the key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, January 21st. Governor Parson has proposed a budget for the new fiscal year, and it's a $12 billion increase over last year, $47 billion in total. Some of Parson's proposals that could affect Lake of the Ozarks include $400 million toward expanding state 
worldwide broadband internet. He hopes to connect 75,000 households to high-speed internet for the first time. Parson also proposed spending $400 million on drinking water, stormwater, and wastewater systems, and $69 million to begin construction on the Rock Island Trail. That trail will go through Eldon and create a 144-mile hiking and biking loop, the largest of its kind in the nation. The state legislature gets the final say on the budget. It's a common experience for anyone who drives much on Lake Ozark. Bagnell Dam Bridge is just too narrow. But why not make the bridge wider? Lake Expo spoke with MoDOT engineer Bob Lynch and found some answers to the question. MoDOT says the sidewalk interferes with widening the roadway, but to get rid of the sidewalk would take major structural work. Lynch also said when the bridge reopens, it will have a weight limit that keeps most large trucks off, so that could help drivers feel a little less crowded as they cross the 90-year-old dam. It was a good year for deer hunters. Missouri's Department of Conservation, MDC, reported a total deer harvest for the season of nearly 300,000. That's about 10,000 more than last year. In the lake area, hunters harvested more than 11,000 deer. The 2022 deer season begins with archery on September 15th. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. We've got some hockey and some high school hoops on the way tonight. St. Louis Blues busy on the road in Seattle against the Kraken. The Blues in a tight race in that Central Division with Colorado and Minnesota and Nashville, so they need to keep on winning. A lot of high school hoops tonight. Osage with a tough battle against undefeated and number one ranked Eugene. So Osage which is having a pretty good season with a tough one on the road tonight. Versailles on the road as well with another tough game against California. The Pintos have been playing very good this year. And tomorrow, the Camdenton Lakers will host the Lakers shootout. Now, Eldon is off tonight. They will host the annual Eldon tournament next week. For college hoops, tomorrow, Mizzou busy on the road at Alabama. Mizzou comes off a big win against Ole miss earlier in the week msu bears busy tomorrow as well on the road against loyola chicago of course everybody gearing up for the nfl playoffs going to be interesting there's uh, four games in total your afc matchups of course the chiefs 
They will play on Sunday night at home against the Bills. Now, the Bengals and the Titans will play in the other AFC game. They'll play that Saturday afternoon. In the NFC, 49ers at the Packers. They'll play that Saturday night. The Packers are the top seed in the NFC. And Sunday's NFC game has the Rams at the Buccaneers. Of course, the Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions. Now, the Chiefs go in 13-5. and They will be home. They are the higher seed against Buffalo on Sunday night. But remember, Buffalo beat the Chiefs during the regular season in Kansas City. 38-20, they played that game. October the 10th, Patrick Mahomes had two touchdowns and two interceptions in that loss. So it should be a pretty interesting game. The Chiefs Eight and two at home this season. One of those two losses was to Buffalo. Aaron Rodgers beat out Tom Brady for the first team all pro quarterback slot. Packers, Colts, Ravens, Rams, and Cowboys all had three all pros. The Chiefs had no first teamers, believe it or not. Now, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. Seven in the morning, five in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV with five local lake area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology, employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting The Key with your monthly donation. Lake of the Ozarks Community Radio Station. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. 938, enjoying a balmy 8 degrees here in beautiful downtown Camdenton, uh, South Business 5, The Key Gathering Place. On uh, Monday, I'm still shuffling around a few folks to uh, to bring in. I think Frosty Wooldridge might be one of the folks that we're going to be talking to on uh, Monday morning. Again, I reached out. Frosty actually reached out to me, and then I reached back out to him. So we'll try and get him in here. We're going to talk about this whole transgender sports thing. You know, guys that uh, want to compete in girls' sports and how various people feel about that. I think uh, Bev Aylin might have even touched on that uh, earlier this morning. Uh, Guests that we do have lined up on Tuesday, we're going to be talking with Jeff Green. Jeff works with the Lake of the Ozarks Stop Human Trafficking Coalition. We're going to get a local fix on it. And we also came across a young lady. Her name is uh, Melissa Sunbloom. She will be on in the uh, second hour. And so we're going to devote the uh, Tuesday edition of the Daily Show to human trafficking, sex trafficking, labor trafficking. And uh, does it exist in the Lake area? Well, uh, it does. And whether you think so or not, 
it's uh, it's an issue that uh, has been discussed uh, plenty, and uh, certainly will give uh, give you folks some ideas and some tips and some things to consider, and maybe even some things to look for when it comes to uh, human trafficking. Uh, then, of course, Ike Skelton on Wednesday, Mindy Sales and Danny Ellison Thursday. Uh, we will have uh, Senator uh, Bill Eigel on with us on uh, Friday of next week to start the 8 o'clock hour. We'll uh, finish up our conversation for the month with uh, Tim Gallatin and the folks at MoDOT. Tim uh, works out of the uh, Camdenton Shed. We also had a chance this morning to meet uh, Jeff Caffey, who works at that shed as well. And we appreciate all those uh, folks over there doing what they do. And uh, we appreciate the hard work. And uh, we'll also have this guy back, uh, Dave Poppin, who uh, has his blog, Among the Dogwoods. Real quick uh, programming for today. We'll get to the uh, Concerned Women uh, show. Also, Christianity and Business, Schoolhouse Rock, The Counterculture Mom with former, former uh, Camdenton resident uh, Tina Griffith. And also, let's see here, Feed Your Family and uh, Reclaiming Legacy, all a part of the lineup here today on Key Radio, and we uh, encourage you to listen. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, 89.3, keyradio.live, an app for uh, Android and iPhones, so you can uh, simply go to uh, whatever uh, you use to support your Android or your iPhone and type in uh, Key Radio, K-E-Y-K, and you can download the free app. So we were talking a little bit uh, going into the break about uh, the uh, most recent Camden County Republican Club meeting. Dave, you were there. I was. You know, and uh, I think that that's subject on athletics is very interesting as far as the transgender stuff and how a, a guy can just decide i guess decide whatever that he's going to now compete with in female sports i i'm actually planning on identifying as a person who's much younger than i am so okay. i'm 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 going out for camdenton little league this year right so uh i'm identifying <laughs> as a 10 year old and uh, i think i'm going to really rack up some k's i mean <laughs> I, I don't. I could probably. I don't know if I can pitch a whole game. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I was just clarifying. You're a pitcher. That's right. I'd be pitching. Racking up K's as a hitter would be a bad that's thing. Right. <laughs> that's like that's like how I really was in Little League. <laughs> it might be a bit of a stretch though, because uh, uh, mustache and full beard. Most ten year olds don't have that. That doesn't stop the uh, people who identify as a woman. I don't like that you guys are not accepting us. I didn't remember we, the, we never said we weren't accepting. <laughs> remember the good old days when the women wanted to try to compete against the men? That's you know, right. uh, yeah, I just think the whole thing's pretty interesting, so I'll definitely tune into that one. Yeah, like Michelle Wee going on the men's tour, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like most of these... Trying uh, to aspire to something more. Like, like most of these liberal ideas that come out, it's like uh, if you just let them play out for a little while, they'll fold in on themselves. I think sometimes they just like to argue about having the right to do it, and then you say, okay, let's see what happens then. But when it's all said and done and you look back on your your uh, your storied career uh, as, a, as a male athlete competing against women, do you really get any fulfillment out of that? Do you get any real fulfillment out of that? And even worse, if, if, if the women are just beating the daylights out of you, whatever it might be, if it's track, if it's baseball, uh, softball, whatever... And then, doesn't that make it even worse? Do you look back and think to yourself, I went through all of that for this? Yeah, I and know. No fulfillment, no satisfaction, mm -hmm. that big void in your life when you could have been doing something that, w that was maybe considered a little bit more worthwhile? I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, if it, th this actually is interesting because it's now that they're, they're actually being able allowed to do it, um, now that you actually see the problems that are inherent in them being able to do it, where now basically women are not competing on a level. Do they n now need to get moved to a different 
league. So now I was just I've always thought that let's if if you want to be a transgender athlete, right. do whatever you want to do, but then you compete against other transgender athletes, and uh, to me that only makes sense. But you know, what if you're the only transgender athlete within a uh, hundred miles? So you have to travel to uh, uh, these other, and they have specific dates and times for these events. Yeah, I, I mean, look it, at all of this in, in it, all seriousness. It's the same way with defunding the police. Like yeah. if Minneapolis wants to defund the police, I'm like, do it. Like let's completely take all the police officers off the street. Let's just see what happens. Just in your city, we'll just do that, and we'll see what happens to your city. We can just have volunteer police officers. That's right. If you feel like showing up that day, <laughs> hey, that's great. You know, if you got something going on, or you just n- don't want to, and, uh, and anybody's welcome. Yeah. You don't have to be like a law-abiding person. You could be. A, I mean, Seattle yeah. did it in that shop district. Oh, absolutely. That lasted for like three days. Wasn't wasn't that run by a pimp or something? Yeah. That he, it, it it takes you back to Escape from New York. Right. Remember yeah. when Isaac Hayes was the Duke? Yeah, they all and, start murdering each other. And in the he, district. yeah, he ran. They they put up they put all the uh, criminals like a penal colony. They put all the criminals in New York and and put you know big wall around it or something, and uh, w- you, you still have a form of leadership in there. Somebody's still got to run the place. I'm in Los Angeles, we had gotten downtown Los Angeles to a level where you could walk safely anywhere in downtown. Uh, it was getting gentrified. People were moving back to downtown. They had mm-hmm. all these restaurants. Crime was at an all-time low. We'd never seen uh, lows like that. And we're talking like 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. and. Now, within a matter of two or three years, you had a, a nurse just get murdered getting off of the train at Union Station. Mm-hmm. You had that, that young gal get killed over on La Brea Avenue working at a store. I mean, you can't walk on the streets of downtown in Los Angeles right now. When we were police officers, we'd be like, hey, let's go get some lunch. We would drive because we wouldn't even walk to get lunch downtown because mm-hmm. you would get into a shooting or something. It was just so crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't even walk in front of City Hall without getting attacked. Well, think of all these uh, officers who are on a lunch break or just taking a break, and they're getting picked off. Um, what was was it? It was out in California. I don't know. Was it in, in L.A. where that uh, was a young girl that ran up? or uh, they, they caught it on videotape and shot the two officers oh, yeah, in the, know, that were in the car? Those were two sheriff's deputies. Yeah. And just recently, you had an LAPD officer who was shopping for houses with his girlfriend, yeah. and they bunch of guys came up and tried to rob him and he ended up getting shooting with them and got killed so yeah it's like but you know this is what happens when you don't let the police do what what they need to do and then you're also not going to incarcerate anybody so the second they get put in jail they get released talk about a catch-22 uh they complain about law enforcement for any number of reasons but as soon as they need them 911 is uh is something that they uh they dial up there and then they expect somebody to come get them out of the situation that they're in and then when they don't show up they want to sue the police department because they didn't come to their aid when they needed them well i mean you can't have it both ways yeah and you know that that's true and so you get these situations now where they're like first first of all when a lot of times defunding the police is actually a stupid way of saying what they really want to do what they want to do in in a lot of cases is they just want to take away like mental health calls and things like that that they don't think the police should be responding to right because frankly it's not the police police officer's job to handle someone who's mentally ill that should be handled by somebody who's probably trained to do that but what inevitably happened is you'll have a mental health worker show up at a call on someone who's mentally ill and the mentally ill person either injures or kills that mental health worker and then suddenly that is then reassigned to police officers because they realize oh that was actually a really dangerous assignment mm-hmm. i mean social workers didn't want to go out on calls in los angeles without police officers we'd always get calls like meet the social worker and then you would have to go over to the house and mm-hmm. so i mean so 
the, the funding in some cases, believe me, police would much rather not go to mental health calls, uh, complaints about people's lawns, like all that kind of stuff. They would just rather handle actual crime. But the fact is, in society, when you go to these people's houses, it, it can be very dangerous. Right. One of the most dangerous uh, things in L.A. was actually evictions. And so with the sheriff's department, you, you know, you, you'd get the guys in the eviction unit, and they maybe had like eight or nine guys. It's not exactly the premier unit at the sheriff's department, right? So, like, <laughs> you're not getting, like, the, uh, the elite. These aren't SWAT guys, really. Uh, no one signed up for the sheriff's department and said, like, oh, I want to do evictions. <laughs> But what happens is you're actually kicking someone out of their house and putting them out on the street. Mm -hmm. So you'll have a lot of these eviction calls that are like no big deal. But uh, we had one up in Lancaster and the sheriff's deputies knock on the door to tell the guy he's got to get out of the house. They open the, the guy opens the door. He's pointing a rifle right at him and he's got him dead to rights. They can't even pull their gun or anything. He's going to. So they're just like. He's like, get out of here. And then they're like, okay, we're going to get out of here. Well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm interested to know when they started talking about these red flag laws to take the firearms away from people, uh, how law enforcement responded to, the, to that because I would not want to be the one going and knocking on the door and telling somebody, hey, guess what? We're here for your guns. And there was a, there was a guy that actually got into it with the uh, sure. the police, and uh, there was a bit of a shootout, and the guy got killed. Yeah, in this, in this particular case, the guys basically walked off the property, and then they went to a nearby parking lot and called their sergeant, and their sergeant's like, okay, so the guy pointed a gun at you? He's like, yeah. He goes, do we have a perimeter set up around the house? They're like, no. Like, did you call SWAT? Nope. They're like, okay, well, why don't we do all that? <laughs> why don't you go back there, yeah. set up a perimeter? <laughs> and so they ended up having to do a whole SWAT call out on the guy to get him out of the place. Uh, and up in, uh, I think it was Modesto, they had a locksmith call. Basically, they were going to go in there and change locks, and the guy who was living there was kind of a crazy guy. Yeah. And uh, he had, like, one of those big uh, mesh security cage doors so you couldn't see in. And it turns out the door was open, so they thought they were knocking. The guy wasn't answering. And uh, he's in there, and he, had, he was heavily armed. He shoots the officer, one of the deputies. The locksmith gets up and tries to run. He shoots and kills the locksmith. Oh. And so it ended up with like one one uh, deputy wounded, one deputy dead. They, it ended up where the whole house ended up burning down. They had to burn down the whole house because they fired like gas and stuff. So, but yeah. So my point is, evictions it seems like a pretty simple thing to do. It's kind of a civil process. Uh, uh -huh. So if we're going to defund, it's an uncivil process, right? right? If we're going to defund, okay, let's let's send civilians out to do evictions. Like yeah. that's not a great idea because even police officers get hurt on those calls. Well, we have a uh, a guy in the know, and that's when Ike Skelton comes in, and we were talking about evictions, or the fact that somebody calls him up, the landlord says, I want to change the locks. You know, you better make sure that there's nobody in the house it's when dangerous. you do that. Yeah. It's dangerous. That and uh, the fact that the whole policy, uh, you know, like, for example, you stop paying your rent, and then you get a, uh, a notice from your landlord that you're, you're going to be evicted. Well... That, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be kicked out. We also talked about people that come down, like we have all these second homeowners down here, and people come down and they see a property and they decide, you know, we want to stay there. And then the, the homeowner finds out, oh, yeah. and they can't get rid of them. Yeah. yeah. And it was all in the context of a proposed state law where they'll give the sheriff's department 50 bucks if they do an eviction. Which goes to the pension fund. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard way to earn your pension. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. Well, potentially. Do they do the sheriffs not do evictions down here? They do it, but they they don't charge any money for oh. it. Yeah, it's it's it considered part of their job, which I, I presume it was in L.A. Yeah, I, I would say it was yeah. the sheriff's job. Yeah. yeah, LAPD didn't do it, but the sheriff's department because it was part of the court system, so it's part of their court contract. Right. Yeah, right. That stuff.
Well, now, I think as far as, and I'll have to um, talk to Bill Mulder about this again. The sheriff's job essentially, I guess, is to just um, take care of the county. He doesn't have to have a, uh, a bunch of deputies if he doesn't want them, but I think most sheriffs would take them. And there's a couple of other things. I think it's in the Constitution of how, how that whole process works. But I was talking to Bill Mulder about that, and it's really kind of uh, interesting how uh, the sheriff's job is set up as far as, uh, you know, what they can have and, and what they uh, need as as far as uh, need versus want. 9.52 is our time. So you've got a uh, – did you say you've got a good Army story for us today, Dave? Yeah, I wanted to just – let me finish with Scott Fitzpatrick. There's okay. We got, All right. Sorry <laughs> about that. The, uh, yeah, so basically the, the thing is he's done – he's actually used the power. He's found the powers of treasury. He's right. been able to actually do things with it. For example, there was a, a conservative speaker recently who was trying to take payments for people to come to a conference that he was having. And uh, Capital One actually canceled the payment process for the thing. So he, people were like, hey, we can't buy tickets to your event. And when they tried to complain to, and I think it was Capital One that was ahead of that financing, you know, like it was like a, a, a online payment type system. Right. And they were like, yeah, we don't support like domestic terrorism, hate groups. So they basically were making accusations that this guy was all these bad things and they weren't going to allow payments to be taken. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, he wasn't. I forget what he was actually doing, but it wasn't anything like that. It was more like conservative meeting. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Fitzpatrick basically went to Capital One and said, if you don't open up that payment, we're going to basically Missouri is not going to do any more business with Capital One. Like we're going to take all that those treasury funds that you that we do banking through, all that different stuff. We're we're no longer going to use you for any of our banking. So they were considering a discriminatory discriminatory. Yeah, exactly. He was like, you can't do this in Missouri. You can't mm-hmm. discriminate based on this type of stuff. So right. Oh, Chase. It was Chase. Sorry, not Capital One. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Capital One. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. <laughs> Send your emails to. Dave at Moppin.gmail.com. <laughs> I do have any among the dogwoods one at gmail.com. <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, so it was kind of interesting that he was using, he, he found ways to kind of use his abilities as the treasurer to actually mm-hmm. uh, influence things. I wasn't taking notes at this meeting. I was just watching, but I figured I'd share it. It's interesting. There are some conservatives who say you shouldn't interfere with a, a private business like Chase, that they can have their own rules. But, and it was like how the mystery caller mentioned also the, uh, the the way the treasury is set up is they can they have a, a a bunch of money that they can then offer to the school districts to allow them to refinance these school bonds mm-hmm. and that's what he was saying basically we're not going to make this available to you so yeah. it's kind of a it's it's something that they would have lost if they didn't comply so. right all right so I've got a quick army story I think I can <laughs> tell okay so I was a young second lieutenant I was assigned in Korea I was assigned to Camp Humphreys Korea and I was a military police lieutenant. So as a military police lieutenant, you would be like the, they called it the MP duty officer. So you would basically have the duty for the night, and you would, we, we basically had our, our, our base that we were on. They call it a, a camp in Korea, and it was basically a giant helicopter field, and around it was like a fence line, and then basically we had like our barracks and different things. And so our mission was basically to defend this helicopter airfield in case stuff ever happened, in case we went to war. Uh, we we provided a lot of services to the base. We we were there. Police. We would also uh, there was a little downtown area called Anjung Ri. They called it the Ville, and we would provide a Ville patrol that would go down there and patrol, and make sure that the GIs weren't getting in any trouble down there. Um, there's bars down there. 
that are special bars that are only supposed to be for GIs. It's uh, called SOFA, which is the Status of Forces Agreement. It's basically to keep the Korean nationals from going into the bars. The idea is that these bars are will have more affordable beer and stuff like that for the GIs, so they're not actually living on the, the South Korean economy, which is expensive. And so um, the one thing we never trained on is we never trained on doing what our actual mission was, which was defending the airfield <laughs> we did everything else but never went and i just thought about that as an like maybe as an adult a couple of years ago i was like i still have no idea how we would have defended that airfield we just never did it so as the mp duty officer you'd be you basically had a desk sergeant we had patrols that would go out like i mentioned we had our ville patrol and i remember one night it was really late and so we had our police station up at the front gate and the village was right outside the gate so it basically built up to the fort and the, the fort is surrounded by rice paddies and these little buildings that have grown up around it. And so I was there with my desk sergeant. It was bo we were bored. It was probably about 2 in the morning. And I noticed there was a little button under the desk. It was just sitting there. And I said to Sergeant Iverson, my desk sergeant, I said, hey, what's that button for? He goes, I don't know, sir. Why don't you press it? <laughs> so I said, okay. And I pressed it. And all of a sudden, I started to hear, Ooh, and I immediately took my finger off of it. I was like, oh. It turns out I didn't I wasn't aware of this, but there was a siren on top of the <laughs> police station. And in time of war, we were supposed to press this siren. And it was one of those big sirens that starts to wind up like a tornado siren. And uh, when we did that, everyone from the base was supposed to who was off base living in Anjung Ri was supposed to hear that wake up and then all flee onto the base because it was wartime. Hmm. So here I am, I just pressed the button that's supposed to alert everyone in downtown that they're supposed to pack up all their stuff because it's wartime. But I, I, luckily I took my finger off of it, so it's still like, ooh, but these things take so long to wind down. I'm like, oh my God, and I can hear it, it's like, Whoa. so I ran outside to the street. I'm like, how loud is it? And I can hear it, it's like, oh. And like four minutes later, it's still, Urgh. I was like, oh, come on. I was like, I'm going to lose my job. And I said, they're going to find out that I pressed the siren. I was like, it's still like, Urgh. I was like, oh. And uh, so it took like 10 minutes for the siren to wind down all the way. Luckily, I'd never let it to get up to the full wind. And so it's still, Urgh. and I'm just, oh. The funniest thing is, no one ever came from the village. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did you not do your job that you were sent there to do, <laughs> but apparently nobody knew what the siren meant. So if you were uh, actually attacked at some point, it would have probably been uh, over and done with in minutes. Yeah, apparently it wasn't a very good <laughs> notification wow. system for the people. Wow. Good story. That's a good one. That, that's one of those, yeah. Uh, when we see things like that, we, we, we just... We can't contain ourselves. We've got to push the button or, or flip the switch. You yeah. did label the button, though. Well, right? I told him. I said, why did you tell me to press the button? And he goes, I didn't think you were actually going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Live and learn, Dave. Live and learn. I, know. I was 21. What can you do? I, I, I saw you in, in, in a picture that you posted in, in, in one of the, uh, uh, I guess, one of your Facebook posts where you were, were wearing a Ronnie Lott jersey, a That's San Francisco right. 49ers number 42, Ronnie Lott. I'm a reformed 49ers fan. Are you? Yeah, I used to be a 49ers fan. But, yeah, so it was fun. I mean, being in Korea was kind of cool. I'd, I'd never been abroad, so it was an interesting experience. We had, like, uh, the interesting thing is in Korea, we have something called Katusas, which is Korean augmentee to the U.S. Army. Mm -hmm. So each platoon in the, U in the U.S. Army has 10 Korean soldiers and 30 U.S. soldiers. Hmm. And the idea is that they're supposed to pick Korean soldiers that speak English 
and are like college students so you can communicate with them. But what really happens is all the rich Korean families make sure that their kids go to the U.S. Army's katusas because none of them want to go into the rock army, which is the Republic of Korea, because they are like crazy. Like they make them jump into like rivers and swim around. They beat them like it's, it's all the way with the ROK. Yeah, my dad served in Korea during the Korean War, and he said it was an interesting experience. Dave Moppin, thank you, sir. Appreciate your time as always. All right, Bill Munhausen. Keep your nose clean this weekend, will you? Right. I don't have to bail you out of jail again. Okay. <laughs> let's let's take the opportunity to thank you as well for joining us back in your ears Monday morning with the Daily Show, right here on eighty nine point.